Turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians as the choir makes its way down. Ephesians chapter 4, you can see it on uh, 1161 on your pew Bibles. We're going to start at verse 7, and since I've already uh, preached about the uh, parentheses, we talked about descended into hell a few weeks ago, we're going to pick up from verse 11 through 16. Hear God's word for me and for you. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 7 says this, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And picking up at verse 11, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry through building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. In the 16th century, the Protestant Reformation recovered the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers in its soteriological sense. What do I mean by that? What does that mean? That means, thankfully, that you do not need a Roman Catholic priest to stand between you and God. There is no special class of people, the Reformers declared, who mediate to the wider body of Christ the knowledge, the forgiveness, and the salvation of Christ to all the rest of the believers. And so the Apostle Peter said, and called you, the church, a royal priesthood. You can pray directly to God. You can know Abba, Father, as an adopted son, an adopted daughter. The forgiveness of sins is yours. Saving and transforming grace is yours. The throne room of God is open for you. Hallelujah the priesthood of all believers. This is a doctrine that we stand on here at Trinity for the last 60 years. This is a beautiful, beautiful truth. And yet, I would argue, somewhat controversially, that the church perhaps never truly recovered from the Bible the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers in its vocational and ecclesial sense. That is, when you go to work on Monday, do you feel deeply called by God to be a teacher, an engineer, an entrepreneur, and to be an ambassador for Christ in that very workplace? That's the priesthood of all believers in its vocational 
sense. And how about in the church? Whenever I hear a believer say something like this, oh, I love to pray to Christ directly. I love when the grace of God washes over all my sins. I love when I get to experience the very presence of the Lord, but I'm not so sure I feel equipped and called and capable for ministry. That's when we know that we have not fully embraced the priesthood of all believers in its ecclesial sense. Friends, you are called to ministries of the gospel. You are called, every one of you, to life-on-life transformative ministries. As Paul says in Ephesians 4, some are evangelists. Some are shepherds, which can be translated as pastors. Some are teachers. All are ministers. Amen? Al, at least give me an amen, right? And so the first question is this. Are you called into the ministry? Paul wants to give you a resounding yes, 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 you are. And so today we land on this great passage, Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 6. One commentator says it like this. This is a watershed text for the doctrine of the church. That is, if I only have one place to go in all of Scripture to build a robust and a healthy doctrine of the church, I'm going to go right here, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And so the first of two questions is this, who does God call into ministry? Look at verse 7. Paul says, but grace was given to each one of us. Friends, this is not saving grace. Paul here is talking about the kind of grace wherein God is bestowing gifts of various kinds upon his church. Who has this gift? Paul says, each one of us. And then look where we ended up at verse 16. Paul says, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is very interesting, is it not? When each part is working properly, the collaborative effort, that collective effort makes the body of Christ grow, but not in an artificial, cookie-cutting, megachurch type of way, but in a way that builds itself up in love. Don't you want to be part of that kind of church? I know you do. Where each part is utilizing their gifts for the ministries of the gospel. So the first question is this. Who is called into this ministry to serve the poor, to be people of prayer, to plant house churches, to be sent out to global missions, to mentor the next generation, to teach our faith to the next generation of children that sat right here today you are and let me tell you this it's our central conviction as a staff my central conviction as a senior pastor our session's central conviction that this idea that you are called into ministry is going to drive the vision of our church 
for our next season together. But if we're honest, we recognize that each gift is not being utilized in the body of Christ. Some gifts are being laid dormant. Is that you? There's a story about Billy Graham early on in his ministry, and he was invited by a a university to come and speak to the university. Billy Graham, early in his ministry, you know what he did? He went to that university, and he gave a history lecture. Afterwards, his friends came up to him and rebuked him. They said, Billy, you are an evangelist. Do not despise the gift that God has given you. Even Billy Graham, if you, if you hear, hear about his story, he says one of his regrets, he wished he would have continued on a little bit more schooling. And so his friends had to say, do not despise your gift. And so why, I ask, do some of our gifts lay dormant in the body of Christ? Sometimes we want other people's gifts. Sometimes our gifts lay dormant because we think our gifts are too small. Is that you? If it is, Paul is saying to you through this text, never, ever, ever think that way again. Don't despise your gift. Don't ever think your gift is too small. And sometimes our gifts lay dormant because we do not want the obligation of the gift. Because many gifts come with a sacrifice attached to their use. In fact, I would argue that most gifts that God gives to His people to use them properly requires a sacrifice. It's not only the folks that are you know, called to have the gift of generosity that requires sacrifice. The gift of hospitality requires sacrifice. The gift of evangelism requires sacrifice. The gift of compassionate helps requires sacrifice. I love the quote of Gustavo Gutierrez. He said it like this, you say you care about the poor, then tell me their names. Friends, the same holds true for the church. You say you care about the church, then tell me about your ministry. Some dude from Florida. So let me ask you very plainly and very bluntly this morning, what is your ministry? What is it? Can you name it? You are called into the ministry by a God who loves you, who equips you, and sends you out into the world for His glory. And this is a glorious calling that we all share. But the grace was given to each one of us. When each part is working properly, God makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Second question is this. What is my task? What is your task? We're all called into ministry, but in very different ways. Look at verses 11 through 12. Paul says, and he gave the apostles and prophets, and then back in Ephesians 2.20, he says that Paul uh, says that the apostles and prophets laid the foundation of the church. Well, now who builds upon this foundation? The evangelists, the shepherd pastors, 
and the teachers. And so for Paul, it's very, very simple. I have one task. You have two tasks. How about that? You thought I did more than you in the church? Not so fast, right? My one task as a pastor, my central calling, my main focus in ministry is this. Equip the saints. My entire life's work, whether I was in Equatorial Guinea raising up pastors and leaders for gospel ministries, or if I'm here in Satellite Beach at Trinity Wellsprings Church, my one and only calling is this, equip the saints, love on the saints, shepherd the saints, counsel the saints, preach to the saints. But in all of this, O oh pastor, you better make sure that the, uh, the saints are equipped for ministries, that they are discipled and sent out for strategic ministries for the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's my task. You have two. What is it? Look, at, look in the text with me. Do the work of the ministry and build up the body of Christ. That is, Trinity will go as you go. As you step forward to get equipped for ministry, our congregation will thrive and flourish. And let me tell you this, right now, in this season of our life together, God has given Trinity a staff that once made delights would be a privilege to equip you for ministry. And so I pray that over the next season of our life together, that our church family would increasingly be characterized by people saying yes to ministry, yes to being sent out, yes to using their gifts. In fact, everything, if you want to open a page six here in the Shine brochure, everything that we are doing for the next season of our life revolves around this. We resolve to equip the saints. And we want resolve, hey, I want to be equipped for ministries of the gospel. Look at page 6 and 7. We have a beyond the horizon vision. We have a background vision the next three years. We have a foreground vision the next 18 months. Let me get into a little bit the beyond the horizon vision. Simply put, we want to ignite a discipleship movement in our community. Well, it says this, for far too long, the church has been an institution that trains soldiers but does not deploy them for war. In other words, sometimes a church can grow fat in knowledge, fat in our knowledge of the Bible, fat in receiving all the various blessings of God. And so we don't want to be the kind of church that trains you and trains you and trains you and pours into each other's lives in fellowship and ministry and teaching, but then fails to take the very last step and deploy you for ministry. Many of you are waiting to be released for gospel ministries. And so our overarching vision is this, that Trinity will spectacularly unleash the laity for transformative ministries in the gospel in our community and in our world. Here, what are we going to do at this mother campus that the Lord has given us? 
This is going to be the place where we equip you to go out in your little raft boat of ministry to be sent out into our world. Friends, if you haven't noticed it, the culture is not the same today as it was in 1990. Back in the day, you could throw a pizza party and a volleyball game and get like 100 teenagers. And what's more amazing is their parents would come with them. Friends, that, I, that concept and that era is long gone. Here it is. If a baby boomer back in 1990 wasn't in the church and their kids began attending the church, baby boomers had this nagging sense of guilt. I know that I really should be in the church. My generation, Gen X, the millennial generation, Christian and Lydia, if our kids go to church, what do we care? We do not have any residual guilt about not going to church, about not worshiping the living God. So what does it mean for us to be the church today? It requires us as a church to be engaged in several risk-taking initiatives for the gospel. Churches that do not normalize risk-taking for the gospel are eventually going to fold. I believe, and I think you believe, that Trinity wants to live and to flourish the next season of our life together. So today, our primary purpose has been this to fire you up, to take risks for the gospel. Is God worthy of all that? Yes, he is. First initiative, Space Coast Fellows. Did you know that there are 113,000 churches in the United States? We are going to pioneer just the 33rd Fellows Program. This is risk-taking for the gospel. This is doing something we have never done before. It will require mentoring the next generation, discipling the next generation. Some of our homes, yes, I said it, some of our homes will need to go from being me-centered to ministry-centered. Our church has many, many, many spare rooms that are sitting empty 12 months of the year. What would it be for you to be called into this life-on-life ministry of the gospel with a 23-year-old kid who just graduated from college? Exciting possibilities are on the horizon for our church. Second risk-taking adventure, house church movement. As Mike said, some people will never cross the threshold of a church. And when they do come, think about what they encounter. They're sitting, they're standing, they're passing this weird plate, asking for my money. They're singing these weird songs that they don't know, and they don't do this, right? But these same folks will cross the threshold of a home with gladness. So we are trusting that God will raise up 15 house church leaders to be the vanguard of our evangelism, the vanguard of our outreach. House churches committed to loving their neighborhood, committed to practicing 
hospitality. Leaders who say yes to being equipped as certified lay pastors. Let me give you the vision. Wouldn't it be awesome as we as a church, we go down to the beach to baptize a new believer. Jason's not baptizing. Steve, neither Drew. The house church leader is baptizing that person. The house church leader has been celebrating communion there in their home. And the person that has been leading that house church baptizes that new believer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why? Because that house church leader has been like a pastor in that neighborhood. That's a risk-taking initiative for the gospel. Let me give you one more. Biblical counselors. We're trusting that God will raise up 15 biblical counselors from our midst. And you're like, who, if I didn't say, like, who needs counseling right now? If you were honest, like, half of us would raise our hand, right? Including me. A couple years ago, I talked to a pastor in Jacksonville who had trained lay people to be biblical counselors. He said this, we trained three, then we trained six, then we trained nine. They have, I think they have 12 or 13 now. He says, from the moment we started with three biblical counselors, our church has never not had, to use a double negative, a wait list of 50 people wanting to receive biblical counseling and spiritual direction. And so if we ignite a discipleship movement, if we build up the body of Christ, we don't want to, you know, be the kind of, you know, ride the kind of horse, be the kind of church that holds back the lady. We want to release you for life-giving ministries. Let me close with this. One of our new core values is this. We are all contributors, not consumers. In other words, we do not attend church here at Trinity. We are a church on mission, empowered by the Spirit, to overflow with the love, grace, and hope of Jesus Christ. And this means that our staff team will delight, count it a privilege to equip you. In what way? For the work of the ministry, to build up the body of Christ. Friends, this is a watershed text for the doctrine of the church. May it be so for Trinity in our next season together. Let's sing one more song, and then we have our last, I promise, fellowship initiative, and then we are going to go eat some food. Let's pray. Father, we ask your blessing. Father, we have dreams. Lord, we know that your spirit needs to blow in our hearts in our congregation. We have some big dreams that we want to deposit before you, O Lord. And Father, I trust in the ministries, the giftedness, and the heart of people gathered here today at Trinity Wellsprings Church. Won't you release us for life-giving ministries? If you do that, we'd be so pleased. Won't you be glorified amongst us, we ask. Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We've been sat for a while. Let's stand and sing this song together.
of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. the name above every other name Jesus the only one who could ever say worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you oh we live for you let's sing holy
That's our prayer, Lord. We build on this firm foundation that is your love. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We didn't have church today. So I want to just one more ministry initiative invite Anna Saunders and Andrew Leiby. Uh, Anna was the co-chair of our uh, Shine Capital campaign. She's going to give an update, and then they're both going to give an update on our fourth ministry initiative, Refreshing Renovating the Fellowship Hall. Hey, good morning. I'm Anna Saunders here with uh, Andrew Leiby, as Jason just said. Am I the only one who didn't completely anticipate when Jason said we were combining the 9 and 10 o'clock service that it would be two hours? <laughs> like, I thought it just meant the people, not necessarily a combination of time. <laughs> so I feel like it's a little unfair. We're getting, like, you know, there's lunch out there. What are we going to do? We're it, it's a two-minute uh, uh, children's message that went about 15. It, it went so. pretty long. So he gave us 9 to 10 minutes for this presentation. I promise you it will not go that long. Are you sure? I'm not going to go that long. I promise. Maybe Andrew, there was talk of him drumming. We're not doing that though, right? Um, so let me get started with the uh, capital campaign just not moving. Oh, let me go back one. I hit too many. Already technical difficulties. So real quickly, if, um, if, you're, uh, if you were here back in 2019, you know that there were these five components that were set um, as goals as part of the Shine campaign. If you're not, they're on the board here or the bulletin. Um, again, Round of applause, we're mortgage debt free as of March 2022. Yeah, it's a huge, a huge blessing that was made possible by, by all of um, our covenant partners. In addition, we've um, checked off the missions uh, bucket list. I'll, I'll talk to these, or refer to these as buckets, I guess. Missions bucket is full. Cash reserve bucket full. That's $500,000 we have in cash reserves ready to go. The young adult, yes. The young adult ministry, bucket checked. Pastor Drew is here. Simon is uh, leading the young adult uh, ministry. So again, that bucket is full. The fifth and final bucket is the refresh, the sanctuary and fellowship hall. And that's what we're here to talk to you about uh, next. Yep. So on the screen here, um, deliberately, we've made the text so you can't read it, so we're not here any longer. <laughs> but. But if you look at the top, it says June 2021. And so we've been, as a uh, small group um, with the Shine Refresh Committee, we've been contemplating a lot of the forward thinking process. And some of the things that we saw throughout the day, whether it's the people, the missions, the photos, um, definitely things that w existed before I was here, a lot of those things were radical. A lot of those things were um, led in good faith. And part of what we were trying to do is also establish, okay, where do we see ourselves? Where do we see our vision and ourselves? post-mortgage, let's, let's tackle current problems. Well, what we did is we started a small group and it was led by um, stakeholders that were envisioned from staff, from certain key um, people who were involved with the Shine Committee, um, the session, and we polled and we interviewed a lot of those people. Um, this is a small output of the sessions that we had with these various stakeholders and we mapped all the ideas, all the concepts, all the things that we said, okay, moving forward, these are the types of things we want to do. And then we we, we categorized them and we color-coded them and we did everything we could possibly do to try to bite off small pieces of the pie. Um, what I'm pleased to share with everybody here is we start out with just blue colors. Just the items since we've been starting to track this in the last 18 months, uh, you see a lot more green and orange. And what that means is those are things that are already coming off the list 
that were ideas only back at that time, back in June 2021, that have started taking shape. And some of these are um, facilities driven, some of these are maintenance driven, but some of these are truly how are we gonna refresh, how are we gonna revitalize, how are we gonna appeal to the demographics that Pastor Jason mentioned before. So if you can go to the next slide, we'll capture some of these. Um, so a lot of the uh, green items that you saw um, are the ones on the screen here. And these aren't necessarily part of the refresh committee, but they are definitely items that the hearts and the voices that we heard were needs of the church. And so we've focused over the past um, 12 months on things like facilities and maintenance. Are we doing the right things for the upkeep? And so, you know, we're looking at items both of the campus planning as well as current maintenance of today, things like paint. Some of you guys might have seen, we've started doing some color swatches. We've been engaging with uh, professional um, consultants for design to help make sure that we're doing the right forward thinking from a master planning perspective. And we've seen that starting to happen in various places on the campus. And that is part of the refresh, the revitalization, you know, in, enjoying and in loving our facilities. The parking lot, small things. You've got two civil engineers on the stage, so it really res resonates really well with us. But um, small things like that actually do matter. Um, it's appealing. It adds curb appeal. It adds to the maintenance and, the, and the, um, protects the assets that we have, not unlike the rest of the buildings in the campus. Uh, the marquee sign um, out front great, great element on the curb to be able to attract and get attention. And we even see, you know, the right uh, attention is being focused on maintaining and updating that. And we just saw that just recently. Some of the other initiatives that we have that are a little bit more the forward thinking and the campus planning. Uh, one of the major items that we heard was signage and wayfinding and being able, how do I find this place? Where is the fellowship hall? Where is the sanctuary? How do I get myself and find all these places with all these people that we're talking about bringing into this campus? Um, and so we're looking at those studies, and we've do, been doing a lot of master planning. But of course, um, one of the other items that we felt that was one of the major items that was spread across the board on that matrix had elements of the sanctuary and the fellowship hall. So we want to talk a little bit about the fellowship hall renovation here. And so um, if some of you were cheating and looking forward in the handouts, you might have seen, I'm going to touch on some of the items here, and then we'll, we'll show a couple of them on the screen here. But uh, again, Brand Point Design, uh, as a committee, we um, engaged with them and they are helping us uh, soul search, uh, identify the questions that we have, identify this uh, assets and the facilities that we have and how can we rejuvenate, how can we make it better. We heard things like the, the Fellowship Hall, a little sterile, a little plain, a little institutional, want to find ways to rejuvenate, want to find ways to reinvigorate it. So a lot of ideas have come forward and we're not done coming up with the ideas. Um, so the concepts that you're seeing here, the concepts in your handout, are truly that. They're concepts to react to a lot of those needs, those wishes, those want-to-haves that we heard from even the small groups that we've already sampled um, from this church. Things like flooring, um, the ceiling, uh, finding ways to accent the lighting, finding ways to paint and rejuvenate and make that space just a little bit more vibrant, a little bit more pleasant, and a little bit more appealing, especially as we find people who are not just here on Sundays using that facility. So on the screen here, um, correct, it does not look like what you see over there and what we're about to go enjoy for the lunch as well. But um, again, these are, these are ideas to really radically identify some of the needs, some of the wants that were being described. And again, it's not done. It's, there's still opportunities to in influence and um, contemplate and pray and make sure that we're hearing and doing the right things. But the idea, the concept is, as you can see, small things like just painting the space, updating the flooring, 
getting um, spaces that attract and are a little bit more like the places that you might go when you're outside of this church campus and appeal to you want to also bring other people here or be more welcoming to the some people who, um, as Jason mentioned before, are sometimes harder to reach. Um, acoustics in there are a challenge. Use of this space to present is a challenge. And so this solves and it contemplates some of those as ideas of how that might go moving forward. That place sees so many different people that we're trying to make it multifunctional, we're trying to make it multi-use, but then still appeal and be soft and a little bit more warmer than what we have today. So I think with that, um, again, sort of a sneak peek of what we've been working on for the past, I don't know, 12 months or longer. Um, part of the Shine campaign um, effort with that, in talking about the renovation of not only the Fellowship Hall, but the sanctuary itself, was what do we do when these dollars do actually come in? And what we didn't want to be is in a position where the dollars had finally come in and then we started the design process. So that's why you see so much work in, with respect to the renderings, the cost estimates and so on that have been, been being completed in the, in the background. So the exciting part is right now we've got about $100,000. Um, I think it's 102 if I'm, I'm totally all in. $102,000 to put towards this fellowship hall renovation there is uh, a delta there. The cost estimate to make that renovation of the fellowship hall, the restrooms, all of the items that you've heard Andrew talk about is anywhere from $275,000 to $300,000. And so what we're here today to, to do is to ask you guys to please honor those pledges that you made in the Shine campaign back in 2019. There's five buckets in that Shine campaign. Four of the five have been completed. The, the way that you personally prioritized those campaign item buckets is up to you, right? So four out of five of your, of your neighbors have had their item checked off. That fifth and final item is somebody's first priority in this church. And so we really need your help in honoring that pledge uh, and that, cam that campaign contribution to get us there so that we can start the next phase of this uh, renovation project. questions that uh, oh, no. we're, we're about ready to go what uh, won't you won't you uh, rise uh, we're gonna uh, eat together and we're gonna some of you guys are gonna get in the line first some of you guys can stay if you're like on the front rows to sing great is thy faithfulness together as a church family <laughs> so if you are really hungry keep on go and get some food and if you're like God has been so faithful now I'm giving you a guilt trip aren't I so the, the people that stay are the most spiritual, no. Um, and so what we're going to do about the fellowship hall, one, we just humbly ask, can you fulfill your pledges that you made to the Shine Capital campaign? And two, we're going to uh, send out to the whole congregation a special Christmas, mid-December uh, brochure asking for just a one-time donation. And um, as one of the, my favorite movies said, we want, uh, you know, the, uh, the kind that folds, not cling. So we're going to need some four and five figures, people step up in faith um, to make this dream a reality. Our fellowship hall, a beautiful spot for our congregation. And so after, after the fellowship hall, let me give you a benediction. Tonight, if you say, I want more Trinity, we're going to be here at four o'clock. For a newcomer seminar, uh, four to six o'clock, uh, four to six thirty or so tonight. You can just show up tonight at four. We'd love to you be a part of tonight. Next week, come with your gifts. 
We're going to have a uh, fellowship hall. The, the turkey is going to be uh, next Sunday night. But in the morning, we're going to be uh, assembling boxes at the 10 o'clock hour. There'll be like, you know, 1,500, you know, bo- or about 250 boxes that we're going to send all over the, the world that we're going to be assembling together between the services. So receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son. And go, be equipped with the Holy Spirit. Amen.